Welcome to Unlocking the Hidden Value of Your Life Insurance with Mark Murkey and Rob Haney from Life Insurance Settlements. This show is designed to help retirees and their advisors understand the basics of a life settlement. In this podcast, we show you how to get more from the sale of your life insurance policy versus lapse or surrender, and how using life settlements can increase assets under management. Mark and Rob ignite conversations on how to look for opportunities and navigate the life settlement process so you and your clients can enjoy a comfortable retirement. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Unlocking the Hidden Value of Your Life Insurance with your hosts, Mark Murky and Rob Haney. Mark, how are you? Doing great today. Doing great. Thanks for having us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I, uh, for the audience, uh, my name is Eric. I'm kind of the producer in the background here. I'm going to be with these gentlemen for the first couple podcasts so I can ask them a bunch of questions and you can get to know them. Rob, how are you? Very well. How are you, sir? Oh, man, I'm fantastic. I'm excited. I'm, I'm so curious about this entire thing, what you guys do. I know a little bit. I mean, a very little bit. So I'm super excited to be with you and, uh, and excited to be asking you some questions so I can learn more and the audience can learn more. Are you guys ready? Absolutely. Sure. All right. So let's start, you know, Rob, let's start with you. Uh, I'm kind of curious, how did you start in this business? How did you get into the, you know, dip your toe in the water, if you will? The honest answer is dumb luck. I was at the gym um, in the early 90s and stumbled across a friend of mine that was working out talking about a business that he was in, where he was helping people sell their life insurance policies who were uh diagnosed with a terminal or chronic illness. At that time, most of it was HIV and AIDS. Mm. And at first I thought, this is the most horrible, ghoulish thing I've ever heard of in my life. And it was only on my ride home where I, the light bulb went off and I said, wait a minute, helping people keep the insurance companies honest. I like this. And I told my wife, well, then girlfriend and my parents and everybody that I knew, and they all thought I was crazy. And 30 years later, I'm on a podcast with you. <laughs> oh, so that, that's how I get into it. Okay. All right. So we're going we're gonna to get into what this is here in a moment, but I, I want to turn to Mark. Mark, how did you get into this industry? Well, uh, my good friend that's on the other line and, on, and that we have here, Rob Haney, he um, was working in this industry and I uh, was working in a completely different field. And I would go out to their offices in Tavares, Florida just to check in on them, have some lunch. And Rob would tell me what they were doing, which was, as he just previously mentioned, helping folks sell their life insurance policies. And I said, well, okay, well, tell me more. And and he did explain who they were working with, the process and how it helped. And I said, okay, interesting. You know, it's all good. Well, as time went by, I kind of switched careers and moved out to Colorado and I get a call from Rob and I think it was uh, 2000. He said, Mark, listen, our industry's changing. changing. Uh, the clientele that we're now helping is different. We're now helping seniors who own life insurance. We're working with their financial advisors. We're working with their estate planners, whoever it is. And we're helping seniors who own life insurance, who have decided for whatever reason, they don't need that insurance policy. And we're helping them sell this policy for more than what the insurance care is going to give them. And he said, Mark, I really want you to come out. I want you to come out from Colorado. I want you to come down to South Florida, take a look at this industry and see what you think. So I said, all right, Let's do it. So I came out for a couple of days. Rob, uh, you know, wine to dine me down in Miami. I learned more about the process. I learned more about everything behind life settlements in the year 2000, I guess it was. Hmm. And I went back to Colorado. And I told my wife, I said, listen, I think this is something that it's a win, win, win for everyone. She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, this industry, it helps clients 
who own life insurance that can't afford it, don't need it. And their life insurance carriers tell them, hey, it's only worth this much. Yet this life settlement industry says, no, it might be worth five times as much. And I said, it helps the financial advisor. Uh, it's just a win-win for everyone. I said, Deb, my wife, I said, I think we're going to put our cards on the table. We're going to Florida. And we're going to get involved in the life settlement industry. And that was in 2000, fast forward 2001, I think. And I put my toes in the water and I've been here ever since. And it's a, um, it's a dynamite industry. Bottom line, it's a great industry. All right. Well, you said a couple of key things there that I want to hone in on for this next question. And that is that you work with insurance agents and financial advisors who have clients that need this service. Correct. I want to talk about that service because I, like I said, I, I have a very small understanding of what you do as far as purchasing life insurance. Um, seniors can sell. Maybe it's getting too expensive. Like you said, maybe it doesn't fit their, their overall, uh, plan. Um, how does this work? I, I need the kind of the breakdown. Explain to me what you guys do in a nutshell. Sure. You want me, me, me to go or Rob, you well, want to dive I'll, in first? I'll, I'll start. And I was glad that I cut it off so Mark can explain what happened. So there was a transition that Mark was talking about. Obviously, HIV and AIDS late in late 90s was uh, the, the cocktail came along. And if you're mm -hmm. living with HIV, you're able to continue on that regimen. Magic Johnson, Greg Luganis might be names that come to mind. And they're living a perfectly normal life on medications that allow them to keep living and stay healthy. So the business shifted. Uh, fortunately for us, uh, large institutions had started to dip their toes in the water, to borrow a phrase from Mark, and like this, uh, investing in this asset because it was uncorrelated. There was nothing about this asset that could be affected by outside influences, market crashes, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Life expectancy stayed the same, premiums stayed the same, death benefits stayed the same. So more and more large institutions were looking to get in this business, which led us to the market that Mark is talking about, a, a senior client who's got a life insurance policy that's outlived its usefulness. So the reason that that person may have bought the policy when they're in their 30s and 40s for a myriad of reasons would have been protection for the home if something were to die to one of the, one of the individuals that was bringing home the bacon, so to speak. And uh, kids hadn't gone to college yet, saving for that. If something were to happen, this would be, allow them to pack some money away for that effort as well. When that's all gone, what typically happens to people as they start to approach their 70s and 80s is that premium becomes very, very expensive. This is things they don't tell you at the kitchen table or in the boardroom when they tell you to buy the policy. Because mm -hmm. at first it sounds, oh, it's painless. Look at this, I'm covered. Well, it gets more expensive. So what they've been taught to do are not taught to do, I should say, is to only assume that you can lapse the policy in the case of a term or surrender it in the case of a, a permanent product for the cash render value, should there be any, and you haven't used it. What we do is we go out to the same marketplace <clears throat> that buys everything else you could imagine that also buys this because, again, it balances the portfolio, it's uncorrelated, and pit them in, an, in the uncomfortable position of being in a bidding war. They have to bid against other groups that are out there. We create an auction. And in that auction, the price goes up. And when ultimately there's no more bidders that can take out the highest bid, that bid is presented to the uh, insurance agent, state planning attorney, elder law attorney, et cetera. And then a decision is made on their end. And I'll kind of let Mark go from there. Yeah, and what Rob says there, he says they, and what Rob's referring uh, to there, they are the providers or buyers in the life settlement industry. You may turn on the uh, television and you see a few buyers. Uh, you got a couple buyers, Coventry Advocates, a few others out there that are marketing to consumers. Well, those are the providers. And as a 
broker, which is what we are, we put, like Rob said, all the buyers in the same room and we create a bidding scenario for that client's policy. It's kind of like if you're if you're selling your house, you put your real estate sign out and a week later you open your door. Well, you might have 15 buyers lined up on your front lawn to purchase your home. Well, what do you do? You invite every single buyer into your home and you start letting them give you, the seller, bids. Well, that's what we do in the life settlement industry. We're an advisor or a consumer's what we'll call back office for their life settlement appraisal, meaning we put all the providers, buyers in the same room, and we make each buyer come to us with their best offer. And you got to remember that the buyers that you may see advertising direct, they're trying to buy it for their best interest as any buyer would of anything you're trying to buy. Well, again, we're putting those buyers in the same room as a life settlement broker. Us, We're a licensed life settlement broker. And we let that negotiation process play out. And it is a six-week process where we've provided the buyers medical information, life expectancies, uh, policy illustrations on our client's policy. And then each buyer has a set of particular parameters. They want to buy policies on and they have a particular set of underlying internal rates of return that they're able to offer on a particular policy. And we let that whole process play out until we've come to the end that we know, all right, here we have this loan buyer out here and it's XYZ provider. That's the high offer in this instance. And that's when we call our client up or call the financial advisor up and say, hey, good news. Your client's policy, this million-dollar universal life policy that they were told by the insurance carrier has a $50,000 cash surrender value. Well, guess what? We've put it out for a life settlement appraisal and we've got a $250,000 offer to be sent to you, Mr. Client, by this institution that now wants to purchase your policy. So that kind of, I uh, just want to clarify when Rob say they, they are the buyers, were the group that put the buyers in the same room to make sure we're achieving the highest offer for our client. Okay. So let me ask you this. You mentioned the premiums go up. And so maybe somebody's looking at it going, I really can't afford this anymore. I mean, this is just outrageous, right? I'm on, I'm, I'm on a fairly fixed income. Um, I've had the money to pay for it before, but now the insurance company is raising the rates. That's one reason. What What are the reasons would people have to sell their insurance policies? Sure. I'll jump in there. The very same reasons that people buy insurance exist for why they may want to sell it. Meaning just this, if you buy insurance and you're in your thirties or forties and you have kids, well, you want to protect your kids. Well, now all of a sudden, you may be in your 60s, 70s, or 80s. Your kids are growing up. They're mm -hmm. successful, and they're saying, Mom, Dad, we don't need that life insurance policy that you took out that in case you passed away early, there was going to be a death benefit passed down to us, the beneficiaries. Well, we don't need that, Mom and Dad. Go ahead and live your life. Cancel that policy out. So that's a reason. Um, you have clients who own businesses that take out key man policies. Well, guess what? They get into their 60s or 70s. They say, hey, I'm selling this business. Well, that key man policy is no longer needed. The client's selling that business. You have divorce, you have bankruptcy, you have estate planning issues. You know, a client's net worth may be well over the estate tax exemption if you're filing jointly. I think it's 22 odd million. And they use life insurance to cover that. Well, what happens if your estate net worth goes down and you say, well, I don't need as much insurance anymore. So I'm going to get rid of this policy. And far too often, clients simply say, well, I've owned this policy for whatever reason I took it out for. And now here we are 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, that reason no longer exists anymore. I don't need the policy for the same reason, whether it's the uh, premiums are gone up too much or whether just the underlying need for the insurance has just gone away all too often. In fact, it's about 500,000 times a year, 
that a senior, folks that are 65 and over, will let that policy lapse or they'll surrender it back to the insurance carrier. This is a real number. It's about a half a million policies representing mm. about 140 billion in life insurance. Wow. Well, along we come and say, well, hey, don't just take what the life insurance carrier's surrender value is. It may be a great number. It may be a number that the life settlement providers, the buyers cannot beat. But all too often, we see that that number is a number that our buyers can beat, not just double or triple. It's a significant increase from the life insurance carrier's cash surrender value. So I'll put it, I'll put a cherry on that, Mark, if you don't sure. mind. So what Mark just said was it's a significant amount more. So I happen to serve on the board of directors of LISA, the Life Insurance Settlement Association. And last year, we were able, for the first time ever, compile a data call for our members to answer four questions related to the purchase they made the previous year. Just to put that in perspective, they bought $750 million of death benefit in 2021. $660 million of that was more than the cash surrender value, obviously, in a, hmm. on a permanent product, uh, which, which equated to 7.8 times more. So go back to Mark's example. If you've got a cash surrender value of $100,000 and you talk to your advisor and he or she doesn't mention this exists, you get $100,000. If you talk to an advisor that Mark works with, they get $780,000. And you got to ask yourself, which is a better uh, outcome for the client? Yeah. And it's a very easy thing. So life settlements are, we're not selling anything to anybody. That's another thing we do, we fail to mention. We don't do a good job doing it. Um, this is a free non-binding appraisal. We're going to tell you exactly what it's worth. And Mark also alluded to the fact that sometimes we may not be able to get you an offer greater than your cash value, but at least that's peace of mind for you mm -hmm. that you're doing the right thing when it comes to surrender. Uh, another number that floats around in industry that is mind-boggling is people over the age of 65 in the United States of America will either lapse or surrender $112 billion of death benefit every single solitary year. Jeez. We bought $4 billion in 2021 on top of that number. That brings the total to $116 billion. So the opportunity is great for people who are thinking about entering the marketplace or learning more about it because it's we're in its infancy. We're still, even though I've been in it 30 years and Mark approaching 25, um, th this business is just getting started. So, yeah, I, yeah, Mark. Yeah, I, you know, I, I talk to folks if you really just want to simplify, you know, what the secondary market for life insurance is and what a life settlement is. I simplify it this way. You know, you appraise any asset that you may own, whether it's your home and you're not, uh, you're moving out of your home. What do you do? You go get an appraisal and you put it for sale. You appraise your stocks, current values, your bonds, jewelry, whatever it is, anything that you own, this asset that you feel, you know what, I don't need this anymore for whatever reason, you go out and you have that asset appraised and you sell it in a marketplace to a highest bidder. Well, guess what? Life insurance is no different. Life insurance is an asset that has real value in today's market, in the secondary market, that in many instances, in fact, most instances, when we take on a client, that, that the value that we're going to give back to the client is going to be three or four or five or seven times the life insurance carrier's cash surrender value. So I, you know, I place everything in in the most simplistic view, I hope, to folks. And again, if if you have this asset, your life insurance, just like you own any other asset, and you don't feel you need one or can afford it, go out and have an appraised. This is a free appraisal on our part. 
And in many instances, that appraisal is going to come back significantly higher than what your life insurance carrier is telling you the cash surrender value might be. It's a great point. And, and Mark you know, failed to mention about getting assets appraised. This weekend, uh, I was down in Miami at an art festival with my wife. But prior to that, we were parked near the boat shell. Some of the boats, like the way the car industry has been in the past couple of years with lack of inventory, some of the boats that are being resaled are reselling for close to what they paid for them two or three years ago because there's a lack of inventory, a lack of parts. The supply chain sh- shortage hasn't really caught up yet in the boat industry. So like those boats, like those cars, life insurance, some policies in the eyes of our investors are more valuable than others. And that doesn't mean the carrier, it does in some cases, but it also means the face amount, the premium load, and the life expectancy of the insured. Some people like shorter life expectancy, some people like longer life expectancies. The great thing about us is we work with them all. So no matter what your situation is, whether you have a long time to live or in your your mind's eye, a short time to live, you have a big policy or a small policy, come one, come all to Life Insurance Settlement Inc. So what what I'm hearing, and this is, <laughs> I'm kind of a car guy, a little bit, not 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 extreme car guy, but uh, have you ever guys ever watched making auto auctions? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So my dad. Yes. Yeah. Or, or you know, or art auctions. Either way, the people that are in those seats are looking for a specific type of vehicle or a type of artwork. Maybe they like you know oil paintings, or maybe they like sculptures, right? But the people are different. So the auctioneer. Is going to do their job regardless, but you may have half the audience that's not even interested at all on bidding whatever's on the podium at that moment because that's just not their thing. That's what I'm hearing from you. You've got the other half of the room that's like, yeah, that's my thing, and and I'll bid on that. Am I getting that right? You got it perfect. That's exactly correct. There, there's a. It's not a one size fits all for every buyer. Like Mark alluded to earlier, they have a set of parameters. There's some that can only buy certain face values. They can't buy smaller face. They can buy larger face and they can't buy a life expectancy outside of maybe eight years. Uh, and there's others that can go on out to, you know, 15, 20 year life expectancies. And that allows uh, most of our clients, if you will, the healthier ones to have a shot to sell a life insurance price, especially if it's a term. We talk about cash surrender value. Well, if it's a term, you don't have any cash surrender value. Yeah, you get nothing, right? It's lapse. So anything that these clients get, in all honesty, is better than nothing. Uh, and and they, and what's funny is, and I say this to everybody I talk to, they appreciate this business as much, if not more, than anyone else because they think you've almost pulled off a miracle. They just can't believe someone's giving them $175,000 for uh, a $75,000 life insurance policy. They just can't believe it. Yeah, and I think- I think there's one thing I do want to interject here is that the buyers in our marketplace, and you talk about the car analogy and people sitting in the audience, you know, the buyers that we deal with, these are institutional buyers. You have to keep that in mind if you're a seller, because if you're a seller of a policy, you're kind of going to yourself, well, geez, I'm going to sell my policy to who? Um, I sell it to, you know, Joey Bag of Donuts on the corner oh, that wants me to die point. sooner than later. <laughs> no, that's not the life settlement industry. This industry is made up of large hedge funds, pension funds, accredited investment capital. These are large institutions that purchase policies. That policy goes into a portfolio of a hundred or thousand other poor, uh, policies. And that portfolio pays a return over time. So it's important if you're a seller mm-hmm. to understand, well, who's buying my policy, by the way? This, this is an institutional transaction by and large. These are large groups that have very, very, very deep pockets that can buy hundreds, if not thousands of policies 
on thousands of insureds and your client, or if you are the client, you're simply a name and number at that point in time that's inside of a portfolio. And yes, when you pass away, whether that's two years or 22 years down the road, that's going to pay a death benefit to the owner of the institution. So that's important to, to kind of make a note of who's buying these policies. It is uh, largely an institutional marketplace. Yeah, now now I can't stop picturing. I think you said Joey bag of donuts. Joey bag and of his donuts. food truck, right? His food truck swerving towards somebody on the curb just to get that life insurance policy quicker. Uh, yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm I'm glad you uh, clarified that. That makes me much happier. Yes, and there's pension, never pension and, funds is the newest newest one. I mean, in Europe, they're some of the largest pension funds on the planet. Uh, like this asset to you know to really buy a non correlated asset and put hmm. it into their into the long-term thinking. Again, if you think about a hedge fund um, or, or you think about a time horizon of when they need your money back, when you think about a pension fund, that horizon is further off in the distance. So they're really buying the, the longer life expectancies. Uh, and again, the longer you have to live, the less money you're going to get. But at the end of the day, the less money you're going to get is a lot more than zero when you're what you were about to get yeah. if you surrendered or let it lapse. So uh, yeah, to Mark's point, it's a good point. Well, let's dive in that a little bit more because I'm 48 years old. I've got life insurance. My wife has life insurance. She's also 48. My parents who are still alive, they both have life insurance and my, my in-laws both have life insurance. So we've all kind of covered our bases, but I'm assuming I'm not the ideal client because you mentioned seniors earlier. Who is your ideal client? What does that look like? Give, give me a snapshot. And I, I know that you also mentioned uh, people, business owners, people that are in business. So if you can give me a snapshot of a few of those clients that you really, really want to reach with this podcast, I mean, you're doing this podcast for educational purposes, right? So who are we trying to reach here? So let me ask you a question. Um, how old are your parents and her parents? Uh, my dad is 83. My mom's 73. And her parents are 75 and 74. Okay. So all of them are in the world. They are in the world of a potential life settlement possibility mm -hmm. without even seeing their health or without even seeing their cost of insurance. Um, so that's that's where you want to start. But we, we're now moving into the 60s uh, as far as you can be in your 60s and sell your life insurance policy. Again, you're probably going to have a longer life expectancy. Uh, but if you're if the choice is I'm going to let it lapse, you better you're better off going and see if you can get a, a life settlement offer out of it to begin with. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll even simplify that a little bit more. You know, most of the providers, again, they're called buyers that we work with. Again, we put them all in the same room, but they you they, they all kind of have a similar buying parameter. Um, some are a little less similar than others, but bottom line, you know, the age cutoff is usually 65 and older. Um, we are looking at the underlying mortality of a client. So the older the client, most likely the higher the offer is going to be, or the less healthy a client is if they're younger or even if they're older, the higher the offer is going to be. But in general, most of the providers are looking at an age cutoff 65 and above. We do see instances where clients come to us who might be 55 or 60 that are living with very, very serious, uh, almost life-threatening illnesses, mm -hmm. which we can place um, values on those type of policies. In fact, you hear the term viatical settlements. A viatical settlement is simply when we go out and get a life expectancy that's 24 months or under, whether you're 55 or 65 or 75, and you sell your policy, if you have a shortened life expectancy of 24 months or under, it's going to be called a viatical settlement. But on the flip side, if you're 65 and above, own any type of insurance policy of $100,000 or more, and you sell your policy, that's what's known as a life settlement, which is what we're talking about okay. here. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. I was, I was sure. curious about that as far as um, I had a buddy of mine that uh, he got cancer. He was a few years older than me. Uh, in fact, he was, I think, 48 at the time. This is about five years ago. Um, but he had cancer and, and he 
survived for about two years uh, because it was a fairly aggressive cancer and they tried everything and, and just couldn't make it work. So that's, if I'm not mistaken, you said a viatical, would that be somebody who could go for a viatical settlement? It is. And, it, and it's okay. a, um, it, it's a part of our business that definitely pulls on your heartstrings. I helped an individual last year who yeah. I believe he was 48 and he came to me and right off the bat, he said, Mark, you know, I'm, I'm almost nearing hospice. Uh, it's a situation where I own, I think he owned a $750,000 policy. And I said, well, you know, take a look at your carrier. They might be able to offer you an accelerated death benefit option. He said, Mark, I already tried and they do not offer it to me. I said, mm. well, then we can help you out. Well, long story short, we found out this, uh, this particular individual, I think his life expectancy was around 13 months. And I told him, I said, hey, if you can keep it, keep it. And he said, Mark, I need the money. I want the money. And, and he told me a little bit more on why and how and what. And we ended up getting him an offer that was, I think, 73% of the wow. death benefit. And to him, that's what he wanted. Even though he had this great, greatly shortened life expectancy, he wanted the money now. And I know what he did with it. He took some friends out and family and they went on this big vacation and he even called me four months later and you know stayed in touch with me. And unfortunately, he did pass away. But again, if you do have a shortened life expectancy of under 24 months and you do want to sell your policy, whether you're 45 or 65, you can. It's going to be known and and as a viatical settlement, but most of what we see in our office here are life settlements, which again, that's the 65 and older crowd that own any type of policy. And for various reasons, they've decided, you know what? I just don't need this policy anymore. The premiums mm -hmm. are getting too expensive. I sold my business. I got divorced, whatever it is. I don't have to have the policy anymore. Kids are doing great. Do I have an option? And that's what the life settlement industry is. It's an option to financial advisors and consumers that own their life insurance. And if they're one of those 500,000 individuals that let their policies lapse or surrender every year, we're just one of those options that they may want to look at opposed to just going back to the insurance carrier and saying, okay, well, take me, give me what you'll give me. Whatever that number is, Mr. Insurance Carrier, I'll take what you'll give me. Now, you really need to look at the appraisal if you're one of those clients that are, you know, like I mentioned, 65 and above. We were talking off air before we ever hit the record button uh, today. In fact, we talked about it last week as well, that you really want advisors to listen to this podcast. You want advisors to learn about this because my assumption is uh, just from listening to you and, and knowing what I know about the insurance industry, the insurance carrier themselves are never going to bring up, hey, you may be able to sell this policy for more than what we would give you. They're not going to bring that up because they're in the business to make money. Am I, am I right on that? Absolutely correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So Bob, what are the numbers? I believe Rob might know these numbers, but you do have certain states that require an insurance carrier to disclose the life settlement option. Now it's oh. going to be on page 106 buried in paragraph four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, even I'll even make it worse. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll read the fine print on a law that comes in a state that requires them to disclose. And if it doesn't specify a date by you can bet that letter's not coming for six months. Wow. So, um, yeah, and I don't think it's, I don't think that, you know, the individuals inside this insurance entity are are bad people at all. I just think that the insurance industry has figured out a way that, you know, if you've got a business model that says for every 100 policies I issue, 90 of them aren't going to go to claim, you know, you, mm -hmm. you got a pretty good business model from the standpoint of making making money. Um, I harken back to I was at a, at a conference one time and they they talked about TARP money. If you remember 2008, 2009, the oh, yeah. subprime mortgage crisis and all the TARP money was handed out to the banks to you know help help the banks out in their time of need, too big to fail, and et cetera, so on. I always he said, How many life insurance entities received any TARP money? 
and no one in the no one in the room could say anything. He said, technically none. Two did, but they were just parts of a larger company. AIG had a, hmm. dabbled in it a little bit, but had their other stuff. Their insurance division was actually pretty healthy. And um, and he just said that it's mind-boggling that these insurance companies have so much money and they own so much real estate. Well, if you had a business model that gave you nine, $90 out of every 100 you collected and the other 10 you invested and paid out at some future date and time later, so it was a net positive overall performance on every dollar you're bringing into the company, you'd buy real estate too. Yeah. And we're still a spec in, in I think, most people's opinion. The insurance industry is a $250 trillion or more industry. And the life settlement industry is more hovering around a $20 billion. So we're mm. still a small spec. Does the life insurance industry like life settlements? No. As Rob just pointed out, they much rather have a policy simply lapse or be surrendered yeah. back for a much smaller amount. But again, if if you're acting upon your fiduciary principles, if you're a financial advisor, an insurance advisor, whatever it is, this is simply an option that you absolutely have to explore for your client. Because if your client lapses that policy for, say, 50 grand, six months goes by and the CPA says, why didn't you explore a life settlement? Because you probably could have got 250. That client's mm -hmm. not going to be happy. And they may be knocking on the door of their insurance advisor saying, why didn't you tell me this? And unfortunately, there are carriers out there that simply tell their advisors, no, don't make that life settlement option available to the client. Just Let's just bury that one. And, and it is unfortunate because we help clients that have net worth that are very low. And we also help clients that have very high net worth and everything in between. But every single consumer out there deserves to know that if you have this policy, you can have it appraised just like you do any other value that you own. And that appraisal might come back a whole lot higher than what the insurance carrier's cash surrender value is. Okay, I, I want to, we're running low on time here, guys. So what I wanna do is uh, on the next podcast, I would love to ask you to really map this out, how it works, the steps that people go through, um, really soup to nuts, right? I, I'd like you to cover that. Can you do that for me? Absolutely, we can have that wrapped up in a matter of probably five minutes or less. Okay, well, we want to make it a big podcast, so we'll, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about other things too. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is, uh, as we close out this podcast, um, I would like you to tell me what professionals, you've mentioned a couple, what professionals should be listening to this podcast and understanding life settlements and how they work? Sure. I'll, I'll go first, uh, and then Mark can fill it in. Sure. Obviously, insurance producers, estate planners, estate planning attorneys, trust, <clears throat> trust officers, uh, I, I say elder law attorneys all the time because, in all honesty, they send the most complete applications than I've ever seen. Uh, they're close to their clients. Uh, caregivers, general, lawyers in general, uh, and then, of course, anybody and everybody. Because because this this life settlements and lapsing and surrendering life insurance policies touches everybody. It's not just a, a cookie cutter where you say, oh, it's only these people. It's only those people. It's everybody. So you really can't really have a bad conversation about it. Some of my best referrals have come from me just spouting off something in a line somewhere or waiting for a hot dog at a football game, something. Uh, we just talk about, you know, what it is you do. And almost every time, and Mark can tell you this, and I'll let him close with it, nobody's ever heard of this still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. right. Yeah, and then... And no matter what your title, uh, bottom line, if you're an advisor of any type, and it doesn't matter, financial advisor, trust officer, attorney, CPA, whatever it is, if you're an advisor of any type that is in front of a client that you know owns life insurance, and that client maybe somehow tells you that, well, I don't know that my life insurance is meeting my needs anymore, you're a perfect fit 
to educate that client about the life settlement option. And I've said that over and over. All this is, is an option. And it's an option that every single consumer out there deserves to know about. Whether or not it's the right option to sell your policy, that's up to the client. It's up to his advisor that he may want to talk to about selling his policy. But bottom line, if you're an advisor that is in front of a client and you know that this client is 65 and above, owns a life insurance policy of $100,000 or more, all you're doing is educating that person, that client, that consumer about this appraisal service, about the secondary market for life insurance. You're simply letting them know that this exists if you're one of those 500,000 people that let their policies lapse or surrender every day, every year, excuse me. Well, guess what? Go have it appraised. You may just be astonished to find out that a life settlement buyer, a provider, might give you three to five times your insurance carrier's cash surrender value. Yeah. Okay. So as you guys were talking, I just had an epiphany and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this because this is mind blowing to me <laughs> and, and I want to talk about it on the next podcast. Maybe that's what we'll, we'll add to it. Uh, but as, I was, as I'm thinking about this, if an advisor does this with their client, number one, their client's going to be absolutely a, a raving fan. Now, if they weren't already a raving fan, they're going to be a raving fan because they got them maybe let's say five times the amount that would have been a surrender. Um, and then their children, I can't imagine that their children not being super excited that mom and dad got way more money for this because eventually that money is going to trickle down to them or it's going to be used to help sustain them for the rest of their life where the kids don't have to help mom and dad as much as maybe they thought they were going to. So that to me, an advisor is making is building relationships with this in in traumatic ways. All, right? all of the above. And okay. more yeah. importantly, the advisor is going to make a commission but they're okay. referring the client. And then if he get the client gets a large enough sum of money, the client's going to pretty much turn around and hand it to him or her. And they're going to invest it for them in yes. a new product and maybe an annuity. And they're going to make another commission. So that's when Mark talked about at the very, very beginning how this is a win, win, win. That's exactly what he's talking about. Everybody okay. wins. I want to dive into that on the next podcast a bit. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. If folks are thinking, okay, I haven't heard of this before, or this is, I've, I've heard of it, but I, I don't know much about it. I still need to ask questions. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. You can call our, uh, our office direct, which is 866 uh, 326 My extension is 1017, and Rob's extension is? Doesn't Rob. matter. Call Mark. Okay. Or you can always. <laughs> And I tell folks, and I've been doing this a long time, uh, you can always reach me on my cell phone, whether you're on the West Coast, the Middle Coast, the East Coast, you can always reach me on my cell phone. It doesn't matter what time, seven in the morning, nine at night. And that cell phone number is 954-326-9378. And I'll get my cell out. I'm available before Mark at 6 a.m. until 10 (laughs) o'clock. So now we're on each side. 954-599-4433. Guys, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Thank you, Eric. And our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Unlocking the Hidden Value of Your Life Insurance with Mark Murky and Rob Haney. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, which I know you haven't because this is number one, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review because this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Life Insurance Settlements Incorporated, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Unlocking the Hidden Value of Your Life Insurance, the show that helps you unlock the hidden value of life insurance. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.lisettlements.com 
or give us a call at our office line at 866-326-5433, extension 1017. You can also directly contact Mark Murky at 954-326-9378 and Rob Haney at 954-599-4433.